It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Corey Dillon has had some pretty epic rants about the Bengals in his lifetime. He has a little bit of a point this time about the Bengals Ring of Honor system. We'll talk about his comments and the Bengals salary cap health as we look forward to some extensions. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, host Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to this podcast on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcasts. You can become a first listener, become an everyday or two of our favorite groups of listeners, those of you who make us your first listen every day, and those of you who don't miss an episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We appreciate every single one of you very much. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, who helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And James, today we're going to catch up on the Corey Dillon comments about the Bengals ring of honor process. If you could call it comments, I feel like that word is underselling just what it is that Corey Dillon had to say about the Cincinnati Bengals and their approach to the Ring of Honor and his feelings about his place in the Ring of Honor. We're also going to talk a little bit later in the show about the Bengals' cap health. PFF's Brad Spielberger, a recent guest of the show, in fact, posted his annual view of the salary cap health situations across the league, and we'll talk about some of the various factors that go into there process and why the Bengals come out on top in terms of salary cap health. But James, let's start with Corey Dillon. Some incendiary stuff from the Bengals' former running back who is no stranger to making incendiary comments related to the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, look, he and, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have seen these quotes by now. He talked with Paul Daner Jr. of The Athletic and he's frustrated with the Ring of Honor process. Uh, he t- told Paul to print it and, and, and write it because no one cares. I, I wanted exactly how I told you. And then he went on to, to say that a lot of the people voting probably didn't see him play. He didn't like, doesn't like how the, the voting process for the ring of honor has, has happened, which is interesting to me. Mentioned that Scott Mitchell would probably get into the ring of honor before him, which is obviously going line. to the, the 50th thousandth extreme that was uh, the quarterback when he ran for 278 yards, uh, which was the NFL record at the time in 2000 at, at, P- at PBS. So a-, a lot on Corey's mind. And so I-, I think you've seen the comments by now they're out there. They were picked up everywhere. And so he's right and he's wrong. And there there's two parts of this and let's start with where he's right. I think he is right. That ring of honor wise, it isn't perfect. And we can get into more of that, of why it's not perfect. But this idea 
that doing this is going to, to change it or that popping off it to, to Paul or anyone. And I love Cora. I met him in, in 2017 during the Bengals 50th anniversary celebration. Obviously grew up watching him, all of those things. I don't think that this is the way to, to, to go about it, to get into the ring of honor. He might be in, by the way. I don't know, but he might be in this year. As we record this, we have no idea who's in this year. But when I look at who's in Bengals-wise, I don't have an issue with any of those guys. And I look at who isn't in, and I, there are still some guys I would put ahead of Corey Dillon. We did the episode, the Ring of Honor episode, a few months back when voting had started. And Boomer Esiason, to me, should be in. Chad Johnson should be in. Now, should there be more nominations? Should Lamar Parrish have been in years ago? Should Ken Riley have been in years ago and, and Anthony Munoz? And, and so there wouldn't be this backlog? No doubt about it. And so I, I get Corey's beef. I understand it. I'm not going to rip him for being frustrated because he feels unappreciated. I think this is what it comes down to. He feels unappreciated. He played during the worst era of Bengals football, when you look at their history, it was a really bad era and he was a bright spot because they got the quarterback wrong and they got a lot of things wrong and the culture stunk. And, and even when they had some talent, it just didn't work. And Corey was a bright spot for, for most of that 1997 to 2003 run, certainly through 2002. But you might have to wait another year or two. Like, that's, that's okay. I also think part of this is frustration with the Hall of Fame because he's not even mm – -hmm mentioned and, and he talked to Paul about this, but he's not even mentioned as a potential Hall of Famer. And I agree with him. I think he should be getting Hall of Fame consideration, probably as much as he's getting Bengals Ring of Honor consideration. But that's uh so so there's a lot there. He has a point and I certainly agree with him. I just don't know if this is actually going to help. Yeah, I have a hard time imagining this helps, right? This is <laughs> this is just who Corey is too. Like you can go back and Paul linked it to the the CBS sports archive from february 22nd 2000 and, and read the article when Corey dillon said I, i'll be flipping burgers i'd rather play for 50 dollars somewhere else than the 1.3 million dollars that the bengals were, were set to pay him when he wanted off the team so this isn't new he, he didn't feel appreciated then he doesn't feel appreciated now the process is what it is in reality so the pragmatic view is, does this help him? Kind of hard to see this really getting himself into the good graces of the voters because he's insulting the voters a little bit, right? And, and maybe he's drawing attention to his career. M maybe that is the impact. Maybe this is a, a, a good calculated move from Corey Dillon. We'll see how the voting turns out. He will eventually get into the Bengals' ring of honor, but that's the problem. Is And this is where he has a point, and, and other Bengals greats have made this point. Why are we doing this slow trickle? You, you mentioned Anthony Munoz. Why didn't they just get in some of these greats in that inaugural class with Anthony Munoz? It was an opportunity to just say, you know what, here's a bunch of guys that if we had done this when we should have done this, are bad. Let's get the greats in. Let's get the legends in. And then we'll worry about more recent history. That was an opportunity they had. Would Corey Dillon have made the cut? What would the time have been, the timing have been, the timeline on um, where we're going to say legends versus modern? That's a question that the Bengals front office could have could have answered. He also thinks that fans shouldn't be voting, that there should be some sort of, of subcommittee comprised of 
Bengals executives and maybe former players that are coming together to make these decisions instead of, to, to your point, you, you brought this up, fans that haven't seen some of these guys play. Sure. And I get that. I also think that the majority of fans voting did see Corey play. And, and if anything, the older players are the ones that can use that gripe. And, and that's the part of it where it's like, okay, look, I, I understand it is a little flawed. Mm-hmm. It is not perfect. I also, after years of doing mock Ring of Honor and who would be in the Ring of Honor if they had a Ring of Honor, uh, don't plan on whining and complaining and kicking and screaming the entire time because it isn't a perfect process. They don't need some subcommittee. They, they don't need to, to overthink this. Corey Dillon's going to get in the Ring of Honor. Can he wait a little bit? He already waited this long. He he didn't get brought back at all until 2017. And, and so I, I think the patience part of it, it, it stinks. But Corey, who would you the only one you could potentially name is Isaac Curtis as someone that, oh, you could go in over him. Here's the problem with that. You talk to anyone that watched Isaac play, and there's a reason that he's in right well, now and, and, and in when he is. It, but but that's what I'm saying is like even if you looked at numbers, that would be the only guy. Like Ken Anderson, duh. Anthony Munoz, duh. Ken Riley, duh. So for Corey, Willie Anderson, duh. So for Corey, it's like, all right, man, like I get it. You're probably like a year or two away if it's not this year. And, and that's it. That's the thing about all these guys. Every single player on the list that is eligible to go into the Ring of Honor is a duh. Eventually, they will. They should all be in the Ring of Honor. They're they're the Bengals greats. They could have just thrown them all in, but the Bengals wanted to slow play it. It is a it is a big event every year. I think his bigger gripe is probably the the Hall of Fame not even getting much in the way of a mention and, and Paul's done some work on that in the piece as well. You can go read on the athletic.com, but essentially Corey Dillon is in the company of 10 other running backs for certain statistical milestones. And of those eligible, all but one is in the hall of fame. That's Fred mm-hmm. Taylor and Fred and Corey are on the outside looking in. So some interesting points, I think, about the process overall, but the process is what it is at this point. Fans are going to continue to vote. Corey will eventually get in. He should get in. He is one of the one of the top two Bengals running backs of all time, probably the best running back the Bengals have ever had. And, and like you said, James, it's, it's probably just a matter of time at this point. Let's take a look at the Bengals salary cap situation. There's a lot here. A lot has been made over the salary cap this offseason. And Brad Spielberger from PFF broke it down in a number of different categories talking about salary cap health. We'll dive into that conversation coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for small businesses. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you should check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Simple tools, screening questions, make it Easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experiences so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's kind of like draft season when the Bengals go through all these interviews and they do all this research to find the right character guys that have the right talent. You can do the same with LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Bengals for the second straight year, according to Brad Spielberger over at PFF, have the healthiest salary cap in the NFL. Now, what does that mean? There are a number of different categories we can talk about here. The way that they break it down is they look at your valuation. They assign a dollar amount based on performance to the veterans on your top 51. So this excludes uh, rookies. They, they take a look at your active draft capital. So how many of your draft picks and how valuable were those draft picks that are currently active on your roster. They, they take a look at your future cap space. They take a look at how much money you have prorated, which gives you an idea of how much restructuring you could hypothetically do to free up future cap space. And we can talk more about that. And they take a look at your expected free agent class for 2024, which is actually the only metric where the Bengals are not in the top half or top five of the NFL. That's the one where they rank the lowest because they have quite a few very valuable free agents coming up in 2024. But as we dig into these various metrics, you'll get the idea that the Bengals, for for all the ado over Joe Burrow, about T. Higgins, about Jamar Chase, and whether they can keep this group together, have a very healthy salary cap picture for this year and into the next couple of years here. No doubt. I, I think that's the, the most encouraging thing is you have these really good players that are coming up contract-wise. And if the Bengals decide to choose the path of Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, they can do that. And they can do that despite a lot of people say, there's no way you can commit this amount to two wide receivers and pay your quarterback this amount. Well, the, actually, the money's there. And especially when you look at the precedent for what a T. Higgins extension could potentially look like with those three-year ex- three extensions, the Terry McLaurin and some of these other wide receivers in that age bracket in, in those draft classes around him have taken, the Bengals could certainly do that. And I, I think it's realistic. And it's because they've been able to keep the, the cap the, the way it is where they have some really good players, no doubt. But they've been able to get guys on potentially bargain deals and they don't have a bunch of money pushed to the future. And and they've they've avoided doing that. And I think that's the part of it where – like when they signed Cheeto, for example, I was like, oh, that's pretty good value. We'll see how he does. And it turned into amazing value overnight. <laughs> DJ Reader, highest paid nose tackle. It was an exciting signing at the time, but it's certainly given them good value because when he's been on the field, he's been dominant. And, and there are plenty. Trey Hendrickson has been a value signing, which it was a lot of money at the time, but value. Orlando Brown, from the jump, it was like, oh, that's all they had to pay to get Orlando Brown Jr. in Cincinnati? So they've added a lot of guys, but with some of them coming up and some of these rookies, rookie contracts uh, getting set to, to get paid, I, I think they can pick a bunch of different paths. One of them could be re-signing some of these veteran defensive players to, to big money contracts again and running it back with them. The other one 
and it's the answer is probably somewhere in the middle, but the other one might be going all in on offense and continuing to spend on the offensive line and, and continuing to keep T Higgins, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow together. So we'll see what they do, but they have the flexibility and they they've pivoted in free agency. Orlando Brown jr. Was a pivot. And part of that is, is nice that they're willing to pivot because you never know which path will play out. If, if you can get something done with T or not. I think in an ideal world, they want T, Jamar, and Joe together for a long time. We'll see if they can get it done. They certainly have the, the space to, which is, is the, the first question when you talk about big money deals like that. Yeah, when you look into the future, which is one of the things that Brad did in this BFF article, and you look at that future cap space that you just alluded to, the Bengals rank fourth in the NFL in cap space from 2023 to 2025. So that's this season plus the next two seasons. They have 253 0.5 combined over those years million dollars of cap space and so that's clearly compared to the rest of the nfl a lot of money only a couple teams have a better situation there one of those is the houston texans and we know what situation the houston texans are in in, in terms of their building rebuilding cycle the chicago bears again similar similar thing where they're still coming out of a rebuild they don't have long-term assets they haven't had a bunch of second contracts in the new england patriots an interesting one here that, that has more cap space in the next couple of years here than the Bengals do, but that gives you an idea of how much space the Bengals have for the looming cap hits for guys like T. Higgins, for guys like Joe Burrow. And those are the two big ones, maybe Logan Wilson too, right? And, can, and, and that's a decision, like you said, that we should talk about as well. But when you look at just the next couple of years here, using projected salary caps, Brad notes of 256 million in 2024 and 282 million in 2025, just to give you an idea of how big the salary cap is going to get, that's like jumps of almost 30 million dollars over the next couple of years, and it will continue to go up until it gets over 300 million dollars in the near future. We talked about this last year, or two years ago, when they signed that new TV deal. It put the writing on the wall that the NFL salary cap was going to go over $300 million in the near future. And so when you think about that, you think about the way inflation of the salary cap is going to go. You look back on deals from a few years ago and, and they look small compared to today's money. It gives you all the ingredients to answer the question. Well, can they afford it all? Yes. Now you look at a team like the chiefs who had to trade Tyree kill because they didn't want to pay him more. And, and maybe you say, oh, no, they can't do it. The Chiefs couldn't do it. They couldn't keep Kelsey and Mahomes and, and Tyree Kill together. Mm -hmm. They made a choice, right? And that's what the Bengals will have to do as well, where you know they went out and signed Joe Tooney to a huge deal to play left guard. And that has helped them win a Super Bowl for sure. And, and it showed that they probably made the right choice, right? Because they were able to win without Tyree Kill. They retained Chris Jones, who has a massive salary cap number this year, but they've also had to make cap cuts. They're right up against it this year. They're already pretty restructured. They don't have a ton of flexibility in terms of restructures. And so these are just choices that you make, right? And in mm -hmm. terms of do they want to extend a Logan Wilson for whatever he might cost? Maybe he's reasonable in terms of cost and they can fit it into their, their salary cap picture. But Again, you know, you look at the overall picture for the Bengals and the way that they structure things, the way that they manage things, they don't get themselves into these salary cap crunches. They really have a really strong eye toward the future. And sometimes that's frustrating in the short term, but it does give them the ability in this instance 
to keep the big three on offense together if they choose to do it. Now, if they don't choose to do it, we can revisit this frustration and say, well, what was the point of all this planning if you couldn't keep them together, if you had to make these tough choices that didn't result in the strongest possible team? Then you can criticize them and certainly was fair to do so in the past when they couldn't keep receivers, when they couldn't keep offensive linemen. They had to start over those positions. But the, in the short term, at least, the, the writing is there that says they can't keep the core together. There's more to this conversation, though, James. There's more to the picture of salary cap health. So let's finish up the show by continuing this topic coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs, well, they make you look good. And I've wore board, uh, I've worn board uh, bird dogs, excuse me, for I think three times this week. I was thinking, and you're talking about the most comfortable shorts you're going to find. It's been hot in Cincinnati, and whether it was the Fourth of July, whether it was family functions, it was just going out to eat. Bird dogs are the shorts I lean on, and it's not just the shorts. The joggers, I'm going to be leaning on them all football season long, and so you need to to check them out right now at birddogs.com slash locked on NFL birddogs.com slash locked on NFL because the cloud Nick fabric along with the anti sweat wicking fabric, it keeps you cool, comfortable, and you look good all of the time. So make sure that you check them out right now. These aren't these old stiff cotton shorts or pants joggers. These are bird dogs. You're going to love them. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL and enter promo code locked on NFL for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL or promo code locked on NFL for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you at birddogs.com slash locked on NFL. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. James, I talked a lot about the opportunity the Bengals have to keep their big three together. We, we've talked about this a lot. This is just another data point, another illustration of that point. There are also some pretty big decisions the Bengals have coming up as illustrated in their 2024 free agent valuation. But are there other topics here you wanted to make sure we hit before we talk about some of that? Yeah, I, I think there's there's a way where they can do those things and – and keep some of these big names, but also show that they are on the more modern edge or, or changing the way they do contracts to keep more under. Because now's the the time where you want to try to get as much under the cap as you can, you know, fit as much as you can and structure things as a cert, in a certain way. So like this idea that they couldn't find a way to keep Trey Hendrickson if they wanted to alongside DJ Reader, if they want, I'm sure they could. And alongside keeping T and, and Joe and, and Jamar, it's, are they willing to bend that structure some and the way they structure some of these deals and push money and move money around? I know we just praise them for, for having that cap health and, and that flexibility in the future. But at some point, you would like to see them say, all right, 
we can really push the limit here and and fit more under fit more quality players under and they're deep i'm not saying that but it's going to get harder and so one way to kind of knowing that it's going to be more challenging to keep these guys because the quarterback what he's going to make because of what some of these other guys are going to make if they can structure their deals differently some of them not all of them some of them i think that would help them so i think that that's part of it. It could be another weapon they could use if they want to go that route. I hope they do. We'll see if they do. And last year's Super Bowl teams are so interesting in terms of that particular point. The the Kansas City Chiefs, like the Bengals at this point, don't have a ton of prorated money into the future. And part of that is a quirk of Patrick Mahomes' deal, where it's not technically prorated money. It, it it's the the annually vesting options for him is a, is a lot of the the money for his contract. And they only have a couple of contracts restructured, whereas Philadelphia, who came up just short in the Super Bowl, right? They, they didn't get the job done, has $513 million of prorated money on the books, which is by far the most in the NFL. By far. Over $100 million more than the team that you probably think of when you think of prorating contracts and pushing the buck down the road in the New Orleans Saints, $390 million. The, the, the Bengals and the Chiefs, four and five in total prorated money. The Bengals fourth, the, the Chiefs fifth. So the, you can win either way, obviously. You look at Buffalo, though. Another, another example here, 28th. Three, $321 million of prorated money, very mm-hmm. little future cap space, a ton of important free agents coming up this year like the Bengals. So there are times, I think this is illustrating, where th- there, there are a number of approaches you can take in terms mm-hmm. of prorating money and trying to fit as much in in a Super Bowl window as you can. This is something that Buffalo is doing right now. They're desperate to win, and that's reflected in the moves they've made. And a lot of people, I think, would like the Bengals to be a little bit more desperate to win, right? Just a little. J- just a little. Like, I-, I I don't want you 28th. I want you, like, 14th after Burroughs' deal kicks in. 15th. I, I think that's that that's where you, you could fight. Because I the Von Miller deal with the Buffalo was rough. Like I and, and I don't think the Bengals would ever have done a deal like that, for example. Go ahead. But th- they could go a little bit more in that direction, right? They could fit sure. in another free agent potentially in that situation. And I think, you know, you, you could point to some teams around the NFL making these mid to minor moves, adding veterans that could help them win games this year. And it's like, oh, why couldn't the Bengals have done that move? It is yeah. something that you get quite often, especially with with various fan comments on Twitter and and stuff like that. But it it is a balance, and and you can win, obviously, as the Chiefs just demonstrated, and the Bengals have for two straight years. You can get deep into the playoffs by taking the approach they've taken. The Steelers were doing it for years when they had the quarterback that could push them deep into the playoffs, and they had the, the team structure that could do it. The Steelers still keep winning games as much as we... I, I won't speak for you, detest the Steelers. They've had a long streak of success following a similar contract model to the Cincinnati Bengals. The Packers, another team that does business similarly to the Bengals, got pretty far with a pretty good quarterback for a really long time. And so 
Will the Bengals change and, and, and start to put all this money into prorated deals? I doubt it. I, I don't see that. But could they take a step in that direction? Again, I would say the answer is it would it would probably serve them and could get them over the hump at some point. But I then, think you know, it, you just look at other teams that do business the way they do and they still win and, and, it, and it's harder to make that point. I, yeah, I, I just think it gives you a little more flexibility as you try to keep that window wide open when you're paying big money deals. I mean, Burrow in Chase, like they've never given out deals like they're going to give out to Burrow and Chase to anyone, to anyone. I mean, look at Carson's deal or Andy Dalton's deal. Chase is getting quarter way more than that. Like that's that's the part of it where I think it's it's interesting. And maybe Higgins too. I, I just assume that Burrow and, and Chase are going to get done and, and that they're gonna try to get Higgins done, of course. But I I think um I think that's the part of it for me where it's like, okay, well, if you have to do that, how can you make it easier for you on the back end a little bit as you try to continue to build a winner? We'll see. I think they will. I think they'll modernize in a, a little because we've seen little signs, little signs of it, um, of, of just them doing different things. You know, the the one year for Riley Reef to just give them a little flexibility. Didn't they? They had a uh, what's the year called? I'm forgetting now. But the void year, the void year. They had a void year for Riley Reef just to give them a little more flex. So you never know. You never know. Hopefully that's just a, a sign of things to come. Little things like that could make a big difference. And it's not like they're strangers to paying top of market money. Oh, like no. they have, it's just the, the positions at which they are paying top of market money. AJ green in 2015 made 10.5% of the cap in terms of APY at the time of signing. So his average per year, $15 million when they signed that deal was 10, 10% of the salary cap. And now you've got Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams at 144 and 13.4% of the salary cap. Carson Palmer, when they made him the highest paid player in NFL history in 2005, 18.9% of the salary cap. And I tweeted about this. It, it took a really long time for another player to come along and, and get over that number. And the only one that had ever been more than 18.9% of the cap was Favre in 1997. And then it took until 2020 for any quarterback to go over that percentage of the salary cap. So the Bengals aren't strangers to this. They've done it before. And, and it'll just be interesting to see the structure of these deals. Do they bake in the ability to restructure deals at certain points in time to free up cap, to, to free up cap space in the future? Because when you see teams really going for it and one year pushes like the Eagles tend to do, like the bills are right now, like the Browns are doing right now, We'll see if it works for some of these teams. You do need a little bit of that ability to prorate, and the Bengals have a lot of that right now, and that's one of the reasons that they come out on the top of Brad's salary cap health list is because they can prorate money if they need to, and they're getting really good value. They have one of the best rosters in the NFL, and, and that's also reflected in, these, in this ranking system. It is, and, and so hopefully they can kind of split the difference. That, that that would be my way. So you're not working with a hand tied behind your back, and at the same time you're not going all in like Tampa was, where a lot of it was reckless with Brady. And I get why they did. He was in his 40s, and you had and they to. won, it, no doubt. And but but then they doubled down and went in again to keep that band together, but they mm -hmm. couldn't really add to it. 
you're the Bengals, you, you want to give yourself flexibility so you can always add. And, and so I think splitting the difference would make the most sense. So we'll see. Regardless, though, they're in good position, and I feel pretty good about their cap situation going into training camp. As you said, I'll just make one last point here to point out that the two teams that have a higher top 51 veteran valuation, so this is everyone except for players on rookie contracts on the team in terms of how much you know dollars these veterans are worth, not what they're getting paid. So a lot of them are worth more than they're getting paid. Buffalo is number one. Miami is number two. And if you, t- if you look at some teams, the Bengals fans have looked at their moves and said, man, why couldn't the Bengals have made a move like that? here or there, I think some of the moves that these two teams have made as they've really made pushes for veterans to, to help get them over the hump, uh, those are a couple of examples, and those are the two teams with higher top 51 veteran valuations. So just an interesting little little point there. They also have some of the least rookie contributions, rookie contract contributions in the NFL, so an interesting balance there to strike. That's going to do it. For this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast, hope you found this interesting. If, if you're interested, you can always Google the the NFL salary cap three year analysis, salary cap health. You can go to Brad's uh, Twitter page. You can find the the article about Corey Dillon on theAthletic.com. Appreciate you listening to this episode. Until next time, who day, and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.